0: And welcome back to Talking Tomlid. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Ozman, here with my friend and chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our dap today, Masachat Beitza, dap Zion, page seven. So we're finally going to wrap up our discussion about these chickens and eggs. Um, but the Gemara gets even more specific here and wants to discuss, you know, how do we know when the chi- when the egg actually comes out of the chicken? When do chickens lay those eggs? And it begins with the following verse. Tana Ravanan. So it's giving us sort of a general principle, which is that any species who mates during the day, right, in daylight, then their offspring is born during the day. And any species who mates basically at night, that they are only born um, at night. If there's a species that, mates, whether during the day or whether at night, then also their offspring can be born either during the day or it can be be at night. So what's an example of a species that mates during the day and therefore is born during the day? That's a chicken. So what's an example of one that mates at night and only is born at night? A bat, another one of my favorite animals. And so what's an, an animal that can have, that can mate either during the day or the night? That would be a human and any animal similar to a human. So, you know, this is sort of a out with a science lesson. Um, I, again, because we're in the middle of the top, um, I didn't have too much of a chance to check this, um, but it, it seems to be that there might be some truth to this, but it's 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 interesting to see. Amar mar, so then mar comes and says, Kol bayom, no bayom, So again, quotes the same thing, right? That any, you know, species that meets during the day is born during the day, that's a chicken. Lamai nafkamina. What is the practical halakhic difference? What do we learn halakhically from this principle? mari kahana. So we learn something according to Rav Mari, the son of Rav Kahana. Amar mari rav kahana. Because Rav Mari said, badak bikina shaltar, Let's say on Erev Chag, right, you check the nest and you don't see an egg there. And then you wake up the next morning and there's an egg. It's permitted because we basically presume it had to be born before it actually turned dark. Like if you checked enough on Erev, right, it wasn't dark yet, the Chag didn't start. We assume that, yeah, it was born during the day because it has to be born during the day. Eggs are not laid at night. The Gemara says, But he looked. He saw that it wasn't there. Lo yafe yafe. So the Gemara says, okay, maybe he just didn't look carefully. Yafe. Even if he looked carefully. Yatzda havai maybe you could say some of it emerged on the eve. Okay. And then it sort of went back inside the mother. And this is according to the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, right? So in other words, there's no way that this brysa, because they're so uh, holding with this principle that it can only be laid during the day, there's no way that it could have been laid at night. They're assuming that either came out a little bit and, you know, and then went back in and then gets laid, but we consider it as being laid the day before, um, or you just didn't check carefully enough. So then the Gemara says, Emi, how could this be? So this statement is the exact opposite. You checked Erev Chag, you didn't see an egg, and then lo and behold, Chag morning, you see an egg. That Chag, that egg is Asura. So this is referring to an egg that the chicken absorbed from earth. So in other words, what this means is is that this is an, an egg that could not have been produced by the egg mating, and so by the chicken mating, excuse me. So what do we mean by that? Meaning that there's basically no rooster around, right? So we know that eggs can either lay an egg because of mating, or they also just they can lay an egg, right? So if this is so, or Mari's case, right, that you say the chicken was absorbed from the egg, right? In that case, the egg basically could have been laid during the night because it's not a mating egg, right? It's, a, it, it's just the chicken laid the egg. Now, again, this is much more than I ever knew about eggs being laid in my entire life. So this is referring to a case when there was a male around. nami. And when there is a male around, a Then how could we say that it was a non-mated egg, that it was absorbed from the earth? Ravina. So Ravina says, Gimri, we learned Kolhecha de'eka zakhar Ravina taught us that as long as there's a rooster around, we can't say. As long as there's a male present, we can't say that it's from this. You know, the the the. It's absorbed from the earth. The adkama. So until where, right? In other words, how far away or how close do we say there has to be a rooster around in order to say that there was a rooster? Basically, it has to be in any place. Where the hen could basically hear its voice by day, right? So um, so if the chicken is close enough that it can hear the rooster during the day, the rooster is considered to be close enough that it could have mated with the chicken. And then all of those eggs, we assume, were just eggs that were fertilized with the male. Ovada and so the Gemara also tells us where Mari used to, would, would it literally means like took action, right? And when he found an egg, um, when he found an egg on Chag morning, on Yom Tov morning, right? Um, when he didn't see one the day before, he would actually go ahead and check up to Ad Shittim Bate. He would check up to 60 houses. So in other words, he would check a very large area. And as long as he didn't find a rooster there, then he would assume, that it was permitted because it wasn't a mated egg and it maybe was, uh, you know, that it was, uh, that it was, uh, sorry, he would assume that maybe there was one, if he didn't find a rooster, that maybe there was one even farther away. And then he would say that it would be okay. Now, then the Gamarcus is this the thing that let's say there's a river between the rooster and the egg, right? And we know, and this was the part that I thought was funny, the Nahara Lo Avra. So this is literally the joke. The chicken, instead of crossing the road, crosses a river here, right? But this is basically <laughs> what it says: that if there is a river between the rooster and the chicken, the chicken we know does not cross, cross a river. Bi'echa mabara, but if there is a bridge, avra, it does cross a bridge. Bi'echa m'itsira, and if, it, in other words, a rope were suspended over the, the river, lo avra, it's not going to cross them. Hava the avra but once there was a chicken that actually crossed over a rope bridge. So we see that it's actually a possibility. So I'm not sure of all the biology about this is right. I'd love to know if there's some if one of our learners who knows more about this. I didn't have as much time to research this as I would have liked. Um, I don't know. And I almost feel like we need to bring a chicken breeder in for our, um, for our CM. I know we're just at the beginning, but I'm thinking we need to have a special guest uh, to explain this to us. But I just loved this little part at the end. I just couldn't stop but chuckle to myself because this felt like a joke when did why did the chicken cross the road except here it's a river and a bridge
1: so i wonder i i don't know very much about um about chicken raising i do know people and this is maybe one of those advantages of living in jerusalem where i know people who just kind of seem to have chickens around i don't really understand this because i grew up in you know suburban america so i don't automatically assume that suburban somewhere else or urban somewhere else will have chickens in the backyard as opposed to going to the countryside um what i know is that the people who keep chickens have fresh eggs and very often those eggs are fertilized and therefore the checking for blood spots experience is a whole different thing right but but i feel like i wonder how much of modern science of chicken husbandry whatever would like concur with this stuff and how much of this is really a completely like it sounds foreign because it is foreign because we do we have a different understanding today and i don't know the answer to this i i don't want to malign the gamara i'm just i'm curious how much of it is you know that their understanding is was just dramatically different from what ours is today and yes anybody who has kept chickens or knows about the timing of i don't know when they lay their eggs I think would be, uh, we would, <clears throat> excuse me, we would be very glad to hear more details. Um, right.
0: But but again, from what I've read, it is true. They really only, they lay eggs in the morning, but that's, uh, all right. Well, So I think we've wrapped up our discussion about the eggs. We <laughs> did it with a good joke at the end. I'm going to just come back to that because I thought it was so funny. <laughs>
1: so, okay. I- so I'm going to move on. Um, towards the end of Amad which is actually continuing along to the end of the Mishnah, meaning we're on Daf Zayin, the seventh page. You go back to Daf Bet Amad Aleph, you have a Mishnah that kind of continues beyond the egg and, you know, we don't think about it so much, but this is the rest of that. That's the citation from the Mishnah, right? So just to refresh your memories, so that we've got a machloket of Beit and Beit Hillel about whether when you come to, to do shechita, to slaughter an animal or a bird on Chag, right? Meaning, again, as compared to Shabbos, if you were to need or want, you know, fresh meat for your holiday, so you can shech the animal. Um, and then the question is, what are you supposed to do with the blood? Because the halacha is for, it, it differs from what kind of animal it is, right? But for a chaya, for the kinds of animals that are considered undomesticated animals, right? Or birds, then when you, do the shechita, then you cover the blood. and to, But to cover the blood means you're kind of digging around in the dirt to be able to to dig up enough dirt to be able to cover the blood. Which Isn't it that its own malacha of digging, you know, of of turning over the soil. Um, so the Gemara is going to go through this. So the Gemara says, okay, we're talking about somebody who's shechiting an animal, which means to begin with, that we're already dealing with an, you know, we're talking about an after-the-fact kind of case, that yes, after-the-fact, you can dig out the dirt so that you can cover the blood, so that you can handle this shritah properly, right? But ideally, meaning if you come into this project, not after you've already done the shritah, and now what are you going to do with it, but what what would you do in an ideal fashion so then um, then even Beit Shammai would agree, like, if you don't have any dirt already set aside to do the covering of the blood, then don't do this because that digging up of the ground is only a bidhyevid, meaning a, it's a less than ideal way of handling this. And it only works. I don't want to say it only works. It's only the way to go once you're already in it. Meaning you've already done the shkita. Now what are you going to do? You got to do that covering. But it's not the ideal way to go. I'm sorry. seifa. Ubeit lo so the Gemara says, well, let's suggest that the Mishnah should have said, that Beit Hillel said not to do the Shkita, right, to begin with, as opposed to saying that that whether the Beit Hillel's position was about the digging of the ground, maybe what his real position was, was not to do the Shkita, and then Miklal, the Tanakama Savar yishkot And the, what that would teach would be that the Tanakama, meaning the Position of the the Mishnah itself is a, in accord with Beit Shammai, meaning that one could do the shechita not only b'diavad, not only after the fact. Oh, you've already done it. Well, here's how to handle it. But yeah, you you want to go into it straight and say, okay, it's time to do shechita of, of a for the holiday. Yeah, go ahead. Um, which. Sets up the Mishnah to be a different kind of machloket than if it's just Beit Shama and Beit hillel and the Tanakhama is not adjudicating between them. But in this case, well, this the Gemara here is suggesting that it does and siding with Beit Shama, which we've already pointed out is a little bit unusual. We're so familiar or accustomed to hearing, you know, the halacha ke Beit But then the Gemara goes on to say, hello, Kasha, this is not a difficult situation. There's no contradiction here. Lo yishchot the Gemara says, well, really, it's saying that Beit hillel said, don't do the shkita and cover the blood. Meaning, the discussion is really about the covering of the blood, even if you've already done the shkita so that is even in a Bediyevat situation, whereas in Beit Shammai's position was, no, you could, you know, in an ideal fashion, not only could you do the shkita but also you could um, cover the blood. So, all of this is, I should note, you know, it's a little bit, Yeah, you know, if you find your meat in the supermarket or at the butcher, then this is, you know, a little bit farther afield than anything we need to know about shchita, because because we're not usually the ones doing it um, in a practical way, but tahas but in a you know in a very practical way to know that this is what would have to be done, namely for certain kinds of animals. After you would do the shchita, then you would need to cover the blood. And the question is, can you do this on yantif, and and how far? Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai's here, their dispute is, I would say, well maintained, um, even though it is unusual, as we've said, to follow a Shammai. Seifa. So the Gemara says, all right, let's 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 take a step back. Say that the end, the Seifa um, of the Mishnah, instead of what we've just said it should be, let's try this. What if it were worded this way? So the Gemara says, let's say that the Mishnah really says that Beit Hillel would, go, would agree that, you know, in the Bediyevah situation where the shechitah is already taken place, that's when the guy, I guess the shochet, or the person in charge here, can dig with a shovel to cover up the blood, right? Which would mean that Bediyevah's focus is not on the covering of the blood to begin with, not really, right? And then the government says, and that's Miklal De'ika. We can infer that from the beginning of the Mishnah where it was not talking about a Bediyevah situation to begin with. It was talking about Lich So that means let's go back and read the Mishnah to begin with, which we're not going to do inside right now, but if you go back and look at that and you say, okay, are we talking about a world of B'di Like, are we talking about a less than ideal after the fact kind of, so like, let's see what kind of solutions we can find, or is it, um, you know, what do we want to do? with What can we do in an ideal fashion? Next. Rabbah comes and says, okay, this, like I'm gonna, he's going to give us a whole different take. This is what the mission is saying. So, the Rabbi says the mission is talking about one who comes to do the shekita. He He's not talking about everything we've said before about the dirt and everything like that, but rather one who comes to Shekh the animals needs to check in to ask, um, you know, to ask, what should he do? How should he proceed? And then the question is, what should that person do? So, this recasts the mis- mission to say that, um, according to Beit Shammai, the sage should tell the guy who does the Shkita, go do the Shkita, go dig, and then cover the blood. I mean, but Beit but Hillel takes a completely different tack, which is, don't do the Shekita. But if you've done the Shekita, then only do that Shekita if you already have dirt prepared to do the, if you can actually do the covering of the blood in an ideal fashion, meaning that you have already set aside dirt to do so. Rav Yosef has a different take. Rav Yosef, Merlo. This is well. What's it? What is the mission saying according to Rev Yosef? This is somebody who does the shkita of the animals comes to ask the question. And what is he? What is he to be told? The sage or the rabbi says to him, Um, Omrim, Omerlo v'chasei. Go dig shecht and cover. Meaning that you're doing the digging before you're doing the shkita, so that you have that dirt already set up." So Beit Hillel says, no, don't go do this process of digging the dirt as a response to the desire to do the shkita at this time. It only works, according to Beit Hillel, if you've already prepared, you already had happened to have prepared dirt from that same day. Um, okay, I think that's where I want to stop. The the Gemara continues a bit longer, you know, still discussing this covering of the blood. What I find interesting here is, A, first of all, how far afield we've come from the egg. Um, but secondly, this Machlugah and Beit is seems to be focusing on a question of how far, how much malacha can you do that is not directly related to the shita itself when you're talking about yontif. If we we're talking about Shabbos, it would be a no. There would be no discussion because you can't do Shkita on Shabbos to begin with, let alone the digging and the and, and finding the dirt to cover. But here, you know, Beit Shammai, who were so accustomed to being a more stringent or more machmir posek, right? The idea that Beit Shammai's position is to say, go ahead and and do the Shkita and di- you know dig and cover the blood to me at some point i think we say but he is being more stringent he's being more stringent about something else namely he's being more stringent about making sure that you can do this on yantif as opposed to saying you know hold back don't don't um only do it in a Bidyev situation don't do it ideally that's the beit hill position which in some ways we could say well actually that's then more lenient with regard to this need or or drive to have that shita for yantif itself i feel like the context here, you know, when we put in the context of the egg, the egg that egg is getting laid anyway, on, on meaning the egg of the Mishnah, right? Uh, the chicken lays the egg, and whether if you're talking about the morning or the afternoon or the evening, it doesn't it doesn't matter. The chicken is doing that work or that production anyway. When you come to talk about shechting an animal, you know. You have a choice, and I think that that's part of Beit Hillel's approach here. To say you don't have to do this. Don't do it unless you can do it in an ideal manner where you've already set up the dirt to be able to cover the blood. And Beit Shammai is saying, um, yeah, of course you still have a choice, right? But the idea is you're going to push to make sure that you're doing your shita for chag, and so you're going to do it in all of that entails, and don't worry about the fact that it, you know, if it were that theoretically, you should really want to have that dirt set up in advance because your context is making sure that you have that shkita for chag. And now we've got you know bechamai being um, stringent, right, for the sake of of that shkita for the sake of the meal.
0: Yeah, I think you framed it really well. This is a question of how many, what actions or what malach are you allowed to do around shkita that's not directly related to shkita. And so really, this is something that should have been prepared ahead of time. But I think the Mishnah really understands, like, it may not always be prepared ahead of time, or you may end up having unexpected guests, or you just end up doing a shkita that maybe you weren't, you know, you didn't have everything in place that you needed to have in place. So, you know, it's trying to come up with creative ways of how to solve that problem, because leaving the blood out is is also a big problem.
1: The other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, again, in this context of, eggs and and shkita, right, because it's so far afield from, at least from my personal experience of what my preparations for a holiday entail, I feel like, oh, like, you know, if you don't have, think about it, right, you you don't have a freezer, you don't have a refrigerator, you don't have meat ready for your chag, because otherwise, why would you be doing the shkita to begin with, right, and likewise, this whole question of can you use that egg and yantif, so if you have eggs in your fridge, Right then, you don't worry about like, oh, but I need an egg for chag. There's just been one laid. Can I use it for tomorrow? You know, like the concern of f- food preparation for the sake of the holiday, the urgency I feel that is present in the the discussion here about about the Mishnah. I don't feel that your urgency in reading the Mishnah, but here finally it's kind of like hit hit home to me this idea that like, oh, they they're they're worried about making sure that they have this meal, and I think that that's. I don't know. We talk sometimes about the foreign, you know, how things could be foreign to our modern sensibilities. I think in some ways, this is as foreign as anything else has been.
0: Uh, I totally hear that. And I, I see what you mean by that, you know, sense of urgency that seems to be here. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our venue, Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodge website. Let us know what you thought about the staff and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.